Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. The shelter up there, sorry. And uh, so we wanted to repeat that event uh, down here in, uh, in Rhode Island. And so Pam, uh, Pam and Anderson came to me a few, several months ago and said that her and his barber uh, were available to come to our church and do uh, free haircuts for anybody in our community. And so we kind of started brainstorming, putting together an event. And, and then I talked to, you know, a couple other people from our church that I know are great hairdressers and barbers. And so we just planned, you know, January 6th, we're going to come together. We're going to give free soup. I talked to Blanca about cooking up some soup for, for the event. And we just started kind of putting things together, put out a, a, an ad on, on Facebook within a one-mile radius of our church. Around 9,000 people saw that advertisement, which is just incredible. Within one mile of our church, 9,000 people saw that advertisement, which goes to show that we can absolutely get more than a couple hundred people here on a Sunday morning. If there are 9,000 people within a one-mile radius, that means walking distance to our church, uh, that's just, I mean, that just shows the magnitude of our mission. But so we opened the doors at 10 a.m. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, no guarantee. Nobody RSVP'd for this thing. Nobody made appointments. It was just kind of, it was faith. It was just complete and total faith yesterday morning. And, and 10 o'clock came and, and my, 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 my anxiety started to rise because there was nobody at the door. I'm like, where are my 9,000 friends that said that they would come? Uh, so... So we, I was kind of pacing and praying. That's what I do. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we, we, we were just kind of waiting it out and seeing, you know, who, who's, who's going to come. So we had four, five, five barbers and, and stylists. And thank you to everybody that donated their time. That was amazing. And then Alini and, and Lani uh, jumped in my car and, and kind of just took a stroll around our neighborhood. Because, I mean, with the piles and piles of snow and the bitter cold outside, I mean, the chances of anybody kind of just walking uh, to the church would be would be difficult. And our brother Frank kind of bundled up and and hit the hit Barton Street and the ladies hit Barton Street and and we kind of just knocked on doors and Alini and Lani drove around and they picked up a couple who kind of just looked like they were hanging out, got them in the car, brought them here. And I'm telling you, as soon but this is the thing, as soon as that first couple showed up. With Alini and Lani brought them. It was nonstop until the end of the day. Nonstop. Five people in the chair and a couple people, four people waiting the entire day. We had folks from across the street. We had families from Barton Street walking to our church, getting free haircuts, getting a, a bowl of soup, free bread, free cookies, donuts, water. I mean, we were giving them the royal treatment. People just walked in here, see that welcome home sign, and there's something so beautiful about giving people the dignity they deserve, right? The, the highlight for me was this one couple who, who came together, and, and the girl was, was being, uh, having her hair cut with Michelle, and, uh, and Michelle's an amazing, amazing hairdresser, and so she was getting her hair done. She went to the bathroom to go check it out, came back. Michelle finished up with a braid. The lady's husband was waiting uh, for the next barber to be available. And, and as soon as Michelle finished up with, with this guy's wife, the, the husband came over to the wife and says, babe, you look so cute. They kissed and hugged. And, and it was like, 
That's why we do it. For the babe, you look so cute. There was this other lady that came in, and, and she, got her, she got her haircut. I think it was with Melanie. Melanie or Nella, one of, the, one of the two. And, man, this girl looked like a celebrity after she was done. And she felt like a celebrity, too. You know, you know the hair flip that ladies do, like when they're, when they're feeling real good about it, they just kind of flip, flip the side right here? That's what she was doing as she walked out. And I'm like, you know what, girl? You're right. Walk out of here like that. How beautiful is it for someone to walk into the church and leave here better and feeling better about themselves than when they came in? That's what the church is all about. We did about 20 to 25 haircuts that, yesterday morning. Other people came in just for the soup. And, and seeing our lobby become a place for the community instead of becoming a museum for Christians was the most beautiful thing I've seen in a very long time. That's why we're here. We're not here for us to be comfortable. We're here to create space for those that need a home. We're here for those who need to find a home. And there was no greater joy than to see the smiles, the faces. And you know what? The mess didn't matter. The snow and the salt on the floor, the bathroom that had hair all over the sink. We cleaned it, by the way. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Any, nothing mattered. It was just a matter of us demonstrating love through a haircut. You know how good you feel when you walk out of the salon or the barbershop? You know how good it was for us to be able to let people feel that way? There was this one guy who came in, and he needed a haircut, honestly. But he didn't want a haircut. And so it was my, I was trying to convince I'm like, dude, it's free. Just sit down. And, and he's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'll just, have, I'll just have the soup. And then I kind of tried to convince him a little bit more after he had the soup, because you know sometimes your mind changes after you eat. And I said, you know what, dude, like, at least snip, like, let's trim those ends. Like, let's just, and he's like, no, nah, there's too many ends to, to cut. And I'm like, just sit. Like, we have the best right here. But he, he, he wasn't interested. And he, and he ended up getting, like, another bowl of soup and, like, four more donuts. And, and it was, and, but you know what? He, he left, didn't get a haircut, but he knew that this was a place that fed him. That fed him. Church, our church is called to do this, what we did yesterday. Our church isn't called to just host services once a week. Our church isn't called to just have, you know, the greatest lights and, you know, a little bit of fog. And, and, and I like it, you know. I, I, our church is not called to, to be a place of hype. Our church is a, call, a place to be called home. Our church was not called to be a place for entertainment. Our church was called to change our community. And so I'm, I'm speaking these words out over our church because that is the culture that our church must adopt. It's a culture of service, a culture of love, a culture of compassion. And so I want to encourage you, the next time an event like this rolls around, get involved with it. Get involved with it. Sign up for it. Take time off work if you have to because there is no greater feeling. There is no greater reward than doing something for the least of these among us. Christ said it best. He said, when you do it for the least of these, you do it unto me. It's as if we were giving Jesus a haircut. It's as if we were giving Jesus a bowl of soup. Because when you give it to the person's child, you give it to the person. 
It's like when you give, you know, your friends have kids and you don't give the parents a gift, but you give the parent, the parents' kids a gift. It's as if you're giving the whole family a gift when you give the kids a gift. That's exactly what it's like when we do it for Jesus. We're giving it to his kids. It means we're doing it for him. When you give it to the children, it's a gift for the whole family. Man, isn't it awesome to be part of a church that is doing that today? Isn't that great to know that your church wasn't locked up on a Saturday morning, but we had people from our community walking in here and leaving here changed? Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. And I, and I want more of it. I believe that we're capable of being a church that transforms the community around us, transforms it, transforms our, our street, transforms our city, that our church will be known not just as... Oh, a lot of people think, oh, it's that Spanish church. I'm like, eh, not, not, not Spanish church. We're, we're not a Portuguese church. We're not an, an American church. We're not just that church. We are the church of Jesus Christ, and, and we're called to do the work of Jesus in our city today. We need to, we need to get this right, because if we don't get love right, what's the point? What's the point of us singing these songs if, if we don't demonstrate the love of Jesus. What's the point of, of hearing sermons every Sunday if it causes no impact in the way we live? What's the, what's the point of giving tithes and offerings that sit in the coffers of the church if we're not taking those resources and putting them back into the community that needs it? What's the point of having a building in one of the roughest parts of our state if we're not opening up those doors for the people that need a place to call home? What's the point? What's the point of, 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 of heat and, and, and hot water and, and, and a good-smelling church if it's not used? Lord, use us. Lord, use us. Lord, take us and make us the church that you desire us to be, not the church that we're comfortable with, not the church in our own image. Make us the church in your image, Lord, a church for the one, because the 99 are already there. We want to be a church for the one, a church for the one left behind, a church for the one who has no place to call home. Man, I'm overflowing from yesterday morning. It was so good. And I want to encourage you, be a part of it next time. Say amen. amen. Are you ready for a word now? <laughs> Come on. You're primed and ready. Let's get into Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. We're starting a new series of messages called Pioneers uh, based on the idea that we talked on last week about the pioneering spirit, that Christ has not called us to simply play it comfortable, uh, but that God has called us to do what nobody else has done, uh, to say what nobody else has said, and to go into places where nobody else has gone. And so this morning, uh, and, and in the weeks following, we're going to be talking about pioneers. And, and this is going to be people in and out of the Bible. And it's going to be my first series of messages that not every single week is going to be based on a specific scripture. But I am going to talk about heroes of the faith, people that have done and pioneered, people like my own grandfather who, who at a very young age, you know, left his home and his family to, to go to the other side of the world to bring the gospel. People like Jim Carrey and George Whitfield and, and the guy who started the Nazarene Church, Phineas Brzee. I want to talk about heroes, pioneers of the faith. And and if we can learn from legends, I believe that we can also become legends of the faith as well. So he, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start with Father Abraham. It says, uh, verse number one, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will dishonor. And through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. The word of the Lord, let's pray this morning. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God, for your word this morning that comes to us as fresh bread to hungry souls. And, and so, Lord, I pray that it would bring that sustenance and that full feeling, Lord God, that, that when we leave the, the building this morning, that when we leave the church, that we would uh, be empowered to truly be your church, oh God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, that you would put within us this pioneering spirit, this desire, Lord God, to do what no one else has done. And, and, and we pray, Father, that you would give us courage, boldness, and great faith to accomplish great things for our great God. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Anybody ever been on a road trip? I'm talking road trip longer than, you know, to New York. I'm talking beyond New York. All right, been on, been on a road trip. How, how far have we gone from, from here, from Rhode Island, from Mass, Canada, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, California, you win. Ala who went to Alaska? Raph, that's right, Raph, last, was that last summer? Raph decided, you know, to take a backpack and go across the nation, and he went through, I think, how many states did you go through? 36 of the 50 states with a backpack. Talk to him about it. Incredible story, but he went all the way to, to, to Alaska. Uh, anybody else go? I mean, that's, that's pretty much as far as you get. Uh, I don't think there's any further that we can go by car. A few years ago, I believe the year was 2014, uh, 2014, 2013 maybe, uh, a few of us went to Chicago for a missions trip. Uh, we left on a Sunday. We used to have service in the afternoon, um, and we left. I think it was, it, was, it was Sunday at some point. I don't remember when we left. I don't remember if it was after worship or after the service. But we, we made it out of the parking lot and stopped at Wendy's. That was our first stop. Uh, that was, no, stop number one was Wendy's. Come on, priorities. Uh, and, uh, and we rented out a van to go to Chicago. Several of you were on that trip. And uh, the, the thing about that trip was the fact that I was the only one on the insurance, which meant I was the only one that could drive uh, to get all the way to, to Chicago. You know, if we were to put in our GPS right now to go to Chicago uh, and we were to leave right this very minute, I mean, like, everybody get up and let's go, it would be, let's see here, do, 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 let it load up, 14 hours and 23 minutes, 975 miles. Let me just warn you, the state of Pennsylvania is the largest state in the world. Pennsylvania doesn't end, ever. My spirit is still in Pennsylvania, driving across it. It's long. 975 miles. Fastest route, the usual traffic, it says. Now, you know, Barton Street, turn on Dexter Street, Lonsdale, Walker Street, 126, 123, 146, Route 90. Uh, and then you go I-90 for 51. And then you go I-90 again for 167 miles. And then you go on I-80 for 300 miles. And, and you just keep going and going and going. But it just cracks me up that you have to start at Barton Street and turn on Dexter. Like, you're not going to get, check this out. You're never going to get to where you want to go if you don't take the first couple steps, right? Even though the first couple steps seem obvious, it's, it's like, all right, turn on Dexter. But you have to do that. Like, you can't, you can't not take that step. Now, 
what are the chances, if we were to leave here right now, it says 14 hours and 23 minutes, what would be the chances that we get to Chicago in 14 hours and 23 minutes? The likelihood of that. Zero. It's, it's absolutely impossible that we would get there in 14 hours. In fact, it took us that time 21 hours to get to, to, get to Chicago. Because, you know, we got to stop for eating and using the restroom and you got to, you know, nap. Uh, you got to, like, t take a breather, stretch. Uh, and, and so it took us 21. We got there, but it took us, it took us a very, very long time. Now, here's the thing about about GPS, about putting in the destination, about the 14 hours and 23 minutes. This thing takes into account two or three things. It takes into account tolls, it takes into account the traffic conditions right now, and it takes into account the distance between point A and point B. That's how it comes up with 14 hours and 23 minutes. Now, this is what the GPS cannot predict is what happens along the way. So it can't predict accidents. It can't predict, you know, you feeling car sick. It can't predict uh, you needing to sleep. It doesn't, it can't predict what may have a flat tire or mechanical failure. It can't predict along the way. And so it makes a guesstimate, an, an estimation of the distance of, of the amount of time it's going to take you from get to point A to point B. Here's the thing. But when you get on the road, I'm not going to get there in 14 hours and 23 minutes because there are certain things that are going to happen along the way. But it doesn't matter what happens along the way. It just matters that I have the correct destination in. Because when you say yes to the destination, you say yes to everything that happens along the way. When you say yes to the destination, you say yes to everything that happens along the way. You say yes to the accidents that may or may not happen. You say yes to the car sickness that may or may not happen. You say yes to the flat tire that may or may not happen. The GPS doesn't have the intuition or the smarts to guess what will happen. It just knows that you have an intended destination. And when you have a destination, there will always be something that's gonna happen along the way. It may be a short delay, it may be a long delay. It may be a lot of traffic or a little bit of traffic. It may be mechanical failure. It may be a flat tire. It may be you feeling sick along the way. And those things may delay you. But the fact is you will get there when you say yes to the destination. We got to Chicago. Hallelujah. 21 hours later. Hours later. 21. I, it was long. And something happens to your eyes when you start driving for a long time. Anybody have a tendency to fall asleep at the wheel? I don't have that tendency. But when you drive for 21 hours, anybody develops that tendency. Your eyes just start shutting. Despite the fact that you have 12 people in your van, your eyes just shut. It's crazy. It's crazy. Thank you, Nelly. It's crazy that that happens. It's just absolutely Crazy, and, 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 and man, thank God, thank God we got there because there were some moments that were, and, and some of y'all that were in that car, remember, it was, you know, I was chewing gum, singing music, putting the window down, just whatever it takes to stay awake. Today, this morning, I want to give you a word about the unforeseen events of your life. The fact that God has called you to an amazing thing, but there are going to be some stuff that tries to delay you or stop you along the way. I want to remind you that when we say yes to God's purpose, we say yes to everything that comes with it. And sometimes that means that we get slowed down along the way. Sometimes that means that we, uh, that we, that we have the, the, the pauses in life. That sometimes means that we have the, 
the things that we thought would kill us but didn't, it made us better. When we say yes to our purpose, we say yes to everything along the way. I want to kind of start off this series of, of, of messages talking about Abram, who uh, was called by God to leave the land that he had called home for so long and to go to a land that God had promised him and his, and his, and his children, no children yet, but God had promised it to, to his family. And so there's this moment where it says in, in Genesis chapter 12 that God called Abram and said to him, leave your land, leave your father, leave your family, and go to the place that I will show you. And I will make your name great, and I will bless you, and through you all the nations of the world shall be blessed. That sounds incredible. That sounds like an amazing promise. That's even better than me saying, here's a lottery ticket. It is the, it's going to strike the mega millions. Go ahead and scratch it off. It's yours. And you're like, I don't know. It might be... <laughs> No, this is better. Abram's promise is better because God is basically telling Abram, look, everything is changing after today. Through you, everybody's going to be blessed. This is major. But here's the thing. That sounds awesome, as does the plan of God for your life. It sounds fantastic. And when you start off, you're like, oh, my goodness, we are on our way to absolutely, this is, this is going to be incredible. This is going to be amazing. As soon as they leave, they get to the land of Canaan, the place that God had called him to, and there's a famine in the place that God called him to. After the famine, God says, go to Egypt for a little while. He gets to Egypt. His wife gets kidnapped. They end up going back to Canaan, and then God tells him to kill the son that God had promised him. This is what God ends up doing in our life sometimes, is that there will be moments where God calls us to go somewhere, do something, but there will be tests along the way that God positions because God is not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your calling. He's not interested in your position. He's interested in your purpose. And so God allowed these things to happen along the way. But when Abram said yes to the purpose and the calling and the plan of God, he said yes to everything that came with it, including the test, including the disappointment, including his wife getting kidnapped, including the famine, including almost killing his son. Because when we say yes to God, we say yes to the test. When we say yes to God, we say yes to the test. And a lot of times what we want is the purpose without the test. We want the promise without the, 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 the things that we have to go through in order to get there. We want to get there in 14 hours and 23 minutes without any hitch. But the thing is, a lot of times, the plan of God, most times the plan of God for your life will include disappointment and a lot of it. It will include a lot of heartache. It will include a lot of tears. It will include a lot of stress. It will include a lot of anxiety. It will include a lot of disappointment. It will include a lot of relationships that fail. It will include a lot of people that leave your circle that you never thought would leave you. It will include that, but all the while you keep marching on to what God called you to do. There's going to be situations and things and tests and trials that you face that you think is distracting you or taking you away, but really it's the things that you have to face along the way. You got to keep going. You got to keep facing it. This morning, I, I, I think about an old man named Abram who, you know, some of us give God that excuse we're too old to be used or too young to be used. We never tell God we're just the right age to be used. You notice that? Lord, I'm the perfect age right now. Use me. We never say that. Even we give God the I'm too young speech, the I'm too old speech, the I'm too whatever speech. We give God every reason why he can't. And God doesn't care about your excuses. God just cares for what he wants to use you for. 
Yesterday when we woke up for Love of the City, my bed was the most comfortable it had ever been. It had mutated into a bed of literal feathers while I was, I was there. I'm like, this is a glorious bed. I talked about my bed a lot because I really love my bed. I'm like, it's Saturday morning, and we're going to go to the church. In, like, there's zero degrees outside. There are no degrees outside. There are none to be found. Cold. And we're going to go give soup and haircuts. And I can a lot of times stand up here on a Sunday morning and tell you, church, we're going to pioneer. And everyone will shout. Thank you, parents. But then when the moment comes to pioneer, we're like, no. Because my bed is feathers right now. That's why we end up feeling like we're not moving. It's because we're too cozy. We want the destination, but we don't want the process to get there. I w- it's like yesterday, I wanted to get to Florida. Miami specifically. I want to go as far south as I can. I'm not going to buy a flight. I'm not going to drive there. I'm not going to find a way there, but I want to get there. A lot of us want to get to our purpose without paying the price. We want to be used, but we're not willing to be trained. Can I say that again? Because that was way better than your amen. We want to be used, but we don't want to be trained. It's like we want a degree, but don't want to study. We want to be a husband, but we don't want to pursue. Fill in the blank to whatever those things are. We want to make money, but we don't want to work. Everybody wants to be rich. Who who doesn't want money? I know the love of money is the root of all evil, but I still would like to use it so I can give it back to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Lord, make me get rich so I can give my 10%, Lord. If you can't give your 10% out of a dollar, you're not going to give it out of a million. Because 10 cents to a dollar is the same thing as however much 10% is of a million. It costs just as much, right? It's just as much. Proportionally, it's just as much. And God can do more with a person who gives a tithe out of a dime, what, a penny, right, than a person who gives begrudgingly the tenth of whatever X amount is. Because God doesn't, God's economy is not bound by our economy. So God doesn't care how much. He cares the heart. Ooh, I'm preaching this morning. Cold outside, fire inside. Come on. We have to be... We gotta, right? It's about, it's about the heart. We, we want the results. We want a gourmet meal without a cookbook. We want, uh, uh, we want, I want to keep going through the analogy so that you get it in your head. We want to be a spiritual giant without knowing our word. Oh, I want people to come to me for prayer when you've never prayed. Oh, I want to teach and disciple when you haven't been discipled. Oh, I want to get up there and preach. Do you know how much it takes to preach? 
oh, I want to get up there and grab the mic. Did you know preaching has like 1% to do with the mic and 99% to do with what happens off the stage? We want the result, but not the process. Oh, I want to be a worship leader. Do you worship in your own time? We have to submit to the process. Oh, I want our church to grow. Me too, but what are you doing about it? Who have you invited? It's so cold out, my bones get cold. Anybody else? So I'm like rubbing my bones so it gets warm. Right? My bones hurt when I get inside. I think it's because there's so much like just length. It's just like cold. There's just something that our church needs to get about the, the beauty of the process. The process is messy. The process is disappointing. There's people that abandon the process. There's people that you thought would be there till the end so you could get to the finish line and have a party together. And they, they ghosted on you years ago. And you're disappointed. But guess what? It's part of the process. And man, I take it personally just like everybody else. I take it personally when people don't stand with me. I take it personally. Because it hurts me deeply. It hurts me deeply. But guess what? It's part of the process. When we say yes to the destination, we say yes to everything that happens along the way. Man, this morning, does this resound with anybody today? I know I need this word because I love results. I love results, but we got to love the work. We got to love the work. We got to love the work. And so I want to give you a couple things before you leave. Is that I'm going to encourage you this week, between this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to take some kind of risk. We're going to take some kind of risk. I'm not saying you can fill in the blank with what that means for you. That may be you calling a family member that you haven't talked to in years. That's going to be the risk you take to try to bridge that relationship. We're going to take some kind of risk talking to somebody in the supermarket that we feel needs a word of encouragement. We're going to take a risk because if we're going to develop a pioneering spirit, a spirit like that of Abraham, that he was willing to abandon everything in order to go, we're going to take a risk this week. And I, and I, and I don't want to kind of make a blanket statement for what that should look like in your life because some of us are willing to do more or do less. But I just want you to take a step out of what you're comfortable with in order to bless somebody else this week. Can you do that? Text somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time. I want you to, to bless somebody. Buy somebody's coffee. I want you to do whatever it is. I, I want to share this with you. This past... Thursday, I believe it was. Alini was out running, running some errands, and I was driving home. I had visited my parents, and I, was, and I was coming back home, and I felt, as soon as I passed, like, exit 26 around that U-Haul building, I felt in my heart, and I'm not telling you this for, for self-aggrandizement. I'm telling you this to kind of just encourage you and bless you. I felt in my spirit to go to that Dunkin' Donuts at exit 30 uh, and, and buy four, specifically four hot chocolates, four small hot chocolates. I love hot chocolate. I didn't want one at that time. But he told me, the Lord told me, in my spirit, buy four hot chocolates. And I'm like, God, why? Nobody is out. It's late. What am I going to do with four hot chocolates? So I stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts. I bought four small hot chocolates. And I started driving around Pawtucket. Pawtucket, Central Falls. I didn't find anybody. I'm like, Lord, $8 wasted. I could have given this to your house. 
I probably wouldn't have, but I could have. And I'm driving around for hot chocolates. And then at some point, and then you know when you see somebody, but you're like, oh, that person doesn't need it. Keep driving. And then you're like, but it's cold outside. Am I going to get out? There's, and no, this isn't Thursday. This is Wednesday. Sorry. Thursday, we were all snowed in. What am I thinking about? Wednesday. And then I, and then I drive, drive down Broad Street, and I find this one guy, and I just park my car, and I'm out with my tray of hot, hot, small hot chocolates. And I'm like, I bought hot chocolates. Do you want one? He's like, yeah, I'll take one. So I give it to him. I, I kind of walk down Broad Street a little bit more to see if I could find anybody else. And then I come back, and he's still standing there. And then I say, I, I, you have a good night. I'm going to get in my car and keep driving. And he said, I'll try. And when he said, I'll try, it kind of sparked something in my head. That means something's not right. So let's, let's, let's go further with this conversation. So we talked for maybe about five or six minutes. He's from New York, and he's living here temporarily, and things have been kind of bad, and he's kind of bogged down by a, a few different situations in his family. But it was a hot chocolate that triggered a conversation that would, I would have never had. You know, I would love to say, okay, he bowed his knee that night. He accepted Jesus Christ in his heart. Today he's enrolled in Bible school. I would love to say that. He is currently sitting at North Point Bible College. He's going to be the next Billy Graham because I gave him a hot chocolate. I would love that kind of story. He didn't accept Jesus. He, 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 there wasn't this tearful repentance, but there was a moment of connection. And then I drove to the bus stop, and there was two guys waiting. I didn't get out of my car this time. I just rolled the window down. I said, I have three hot chocolates. There was one Spanish guy that said, no hablo inglés. I'm like, yo hablo espanol, hot chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate quiente. Para usted. He didn't take it. He was still, I think he was creeped out by the fact that I just rolled down my window. I said, Chocolate quiente. But then there was these two other guys at the same bus stop that were like, yeah, I'll take it. So... He took it. The other guy took it. So I had one left. I kept driving down. At this point, I was on Whedon Street and, uh, no, Dexter Street. And so I, I, I saw another guy. I rolled down my window again. Hot chocolate. And at that point, he, he, he just came to the, he didn't, had no idea what I was giving. It could have been a cup of poison. Right? He just took it. I didn't have a conversation with him. I don't know. I only know the first guy's name. I don't know the other three. Again, nobody repented. Nobody is in Bible school. But for one moment, I took a risk. And then I I'm like, should I tell people about this? Or should I just kind of shut up? Because I don't like doing good works. For, like, I don't want to do something good and bring a camera with me. But I think I want to give you this word not as a, I want to give it as a motivator. Four small hot chocolates cost $8 at Dunkin'. Imagine if 160 people, 200 people, bought four small hot chocolates, drove around their city, and gave it to people that they found. Maybe that's the risk you can take this week. And maybe the results are not going to look like what you wish they were, because there's going to be the guy that says, no, I'm not interested. And that's fine. What God cares about is obedience. As I was driving around the city and found nobody, I thought to myself, Jesus, why did I buy four small hot chocolates for no one? And then I felt again in my spirit, God say, it's not about who you give it to. 
It's about the fact that you are willing to obey and do it anyway. Even if the results, even if there's nobody, you are willing. And that's what God desires of you is maybe not necessarily results real well. He just wants to quiet your spirit and let you know that it's going to be okay. You just got to take a risk. In Luke, and I'm going to finish now. Tyler, you can come up. Um, in Luke chapter 12, I believe it was. Jesus said, if you're not willing to abandon everything for the sake of being my disciple, you're not worthy of being called my disciple. A willingness to abandon everything is what Jesus is calling us to. That's what it means to develop this pioneering spirit is, is that we're willing to let go of everything we once knew in order to do what God has called us to do. And Jesus is that greatest pioneer. Jesus is the one who abandoned everything in heaven for the sake of loving humanity. The glory that he had known, the throne that he had sat on for all eternity, being in the presence of the Father since the beginning and before the beginning of time, he abandoned everything that he had known in order to be that pioneer of our faith that would come and save us and set us free. So Jesus is the greatest example. He is that great pioneer, the, the one who did what no one else could do. And so we, his followers, are called to abandon everything that we have and everything that we know, and we're called to be those who will go and do whatever he says for us to do. If that's four small hot chocolates, or if that means we take a drive to somewhere that, that someone needs to hear a word of hope, or, or if it means we come up on a Saturday morning and give people haircuts, whatever it is, we're willing to do it for the sake of the calling and the purpose of God over our life. So this morning, I'm not calling you to a spirit of fear. I'm calling you to a spirit of pioneering. And when you say yes to the destination, you say yes to the difficulties that come along the way. But let me tell you and remind you of this, that when you face challenges, God will always give you the grace to get through it. God will, God's never going to abandon you halfway. He's never going to start you off and then not finish. I believe that every good work that God has begun in you, he will bring it to a glorious, flourishing finish until the day of Christ Jesus. This morning, if you could stand with me in this sanctuary of prayer and praise, I want to pray for you.